you have to have a system in place that hires the right people, keeps the right people, develops them as a succession plan, and then you should be out doing what's in your genius zone. If it's not being the CEO of that company, if you being the CEO of your own company is hurting it, go hire a CEO. Hello, my friend, and welcome to this Business Monday episode of A Call to Leadership. So glad you're here. We've been attacking a series called So You're Going Out of Business around this idea from Six Sigma of waste. Now, waste doesn't sound too glamorous, but if we have too much waste, we can go out of business. So it really is essential we identify areas of waste and eliminate them. And one is called non utilized talent. It's what we're going to cover in these next two episodes. What does that mean? It means that some of our employees' skills, capabilities might go unnoticed, might go under or unutilized. We might have a decline in our employee engagement and our productivity. All of that is important because once we can turn the corner, we can identify and leverage our team's untapped potential. We can create dynamic, collaborative work cultures, and ultimately improve our business performance. So don't miss out. I've invited Joe Thompson to join me back on the show, who is an expert in this area. And I can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership. This is not easy to do in an organization that doesn't have trust. In fact, it's impossible to do. But if you can establish a foundation for trust in your organization, in a trusting organization, you can do this where you as a leader spend time with each of your followers or your subordinates or your employees or your team, as we like to call them, and ask them, have a conversation about their vision for their life. If you have a trusting organization, they will trust you to share. If you don't, it won't happen. But if you have a trusting organization, say, look, whether you're a part of this company for three years, for five years, for 20, or anywhere in between, I want to help to understand what your vision is so that while you're here, if it fits within our mission, our vision, our values, that we'll continue to cultivate that. Now, some will push back, especially if you don't have a trusting organization. Like, I'm not going to tell you I'm leaving here in, you know, 24 months to go get this other job, right? I'm not going to tell you that I'm going out and I'm going to open a company just like yours. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're not right? going to tell you that. <laughs> but if you have a truly trusting, and this is not easy to accomplished. But if you have an organization that trusts and says, hey, if that's what you want to do in two years or five years, you'll have my blessing. While we're here, let's make the most out of our time together. I will give you my blessing in the future. Most people can't execute that. But the benefit to that is you will then not underutilize or misappropriate your talent, but you'll be able to identify it and maximize its capacity because it'll be clear back to our conversation around clarity on the last episode, right? There's great power and clarity, but you have to be the kind of leader that people trust to release and share their true vision. And sometimes their vision might need to be molded and modeled because perhaps there are aspects of their vision that are inconsistent with their abilities or inconsistent with the possibilities. So this takes another kind of leadership altogether, right? A leader who can actually help mold their talent. And if you're not that person, one, you may be able to be developed into that person. Two, if that's not your desire at all, bring someone in who can do that yeah. and accomplish it. 
Yeah, I think when you can't get to know your people, I think one of the big reasons they don't trust you is because you have too much ego and ego destroys companies. And I just wanted to stick that in there (laughs) (laughs) because it's so true. But if you have a players in your organization, not that you ignore the other ones, because you're always trying to develop people, right? But to have true A players, first they believe they're living it. They're living your concept. And second, you have to get to know them. You need to know everyone in your organization. And I don't know if you've ever watched the show Undercover Boss, Mm -hmm. but you learn a lot when the CEO goes down on the floor and he's boxing goods with, you know, the rest of the people in the warehouse. The eye-opening that happens when you do that is amazing. So you need to be the kind of CEO that doesn't have to go undercover and still have those kind of conversations with your people. Right. And it takes them trusting that you care about them. Yeah. Because A players, they know they can go somewhere else and get another job, right? Your job is to keep them there and you can't keep someone there who is a stranger to you right Mm -hmm. they're just a name or a number and that's why there's you know businesses are set up as hierarchies where they have managers and you know middle management and so on and so on they all have to be a players your managers because they're developing those teams within the company right So start there, look at your management, okay? If I have a manager that's meeting all of his goals, bring him in, talk to him, ask him, how's he doing that? Why aren't the other managers doing that? You know what I mean? Get to know that person on a intimate level, you know, know their family, know if they have children or not, know what their hopes and dreams are. And then you can develop them in a, way beyond you would if you just let them be that number in a company and work and there's more of a connection there's more of a bond and i've seen this time and time again with management and leaders who invest in getting to know people Mm -hmm. because that personability that connection means wow you've taken the time to remember that my kid plays basketball or that my brother has had an illness and you asked about the hospital stay. I mean, those are aspects of just a human condition and how we bind together. For me, personally, are non-negotiable as a leader. You mentioned something about management. I want to transition into this because this is an epic fail, I think, with underutilization or misutilization of talent. You have someone, she is killing it in sales. I mean, destroying it. You're like... I'm going to promote you to manager. (laughs) It happens all the time. And what happens? Dismal fail. Yeah. (laughs) And now, is there that one out of a hundred? Sure. Yeah. But the overwhelming majority, and there's studies that support this. I think I read a study about a few months ago. It said 78% of people who are promoted into management believe that they are not equipped for the role. It's interesting. I mean, okay, so then the other 22% believe, but they may still, of that 22%, even though you believe you're equipped for it, you still may not be equipped for it. So slice that one. You might have 10% people who are 
have been put in that role and actually are ready for that role. Their talent is being utilized. So that makes me think of an analogy from the excellent salesperson to now I'm going to make you a manager. When you look at coaches on sports teams, usually the best coaches were the worst players, right? Mm -hmm. Because they don't have that understanding of what it's like to succeed immediately at something, right? And the rock star, right? The person who is great at what they do, they don't have an understanding of just so easy, just do this. You just dunk the ball. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So the person who struggles through something, who works through something, they usually make a really good coach. You know, most great baseball coaches were just average players. You know, they couldn't make it in the major leagues, but they understand the struggle so that they can coach. And, you know, that's why college coaches are well-paid and so important to the universities because they're developing tomorrow's pros. And they can only do that because they know the struggle of what it takes to do this. Okay? So you look at a guy like Michael Jordan, you think, man, he'd make a great coach. Maybe, maybe not because he's God-gifted talents. You know, he's an amazing athlete, superstar. It may be hard to tell average Joe, you know, how to do what he does. Like you won't be able to transfer that knowledge to them mm-hmm. in the easiest way. So if you have a rock star salesperson and then you throw them in, maybe a sales management role might be okay for them. But if you just throw them in a management role because they were so good at their other job, it might be hard for them to understand. Why don't you just go out and close it? Just yeah. go out and sell it. I did this a thousand times and no one had to tell me how to do it. So you got to be careful of that. That's a great point you bring up. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And some are able to transition. I think of some of our clients who were on the sales floor and then they transitioned into, again, sales management and then incrementally moved into general management and so mm-hmm. on. Right. But that's more of the exception than the norm in what happens in those situations. And again, it goes right back to objectively assessing the talent and utilizing their abilities, not because they've succeeded in one area that you can transfer that to a completely different set of skills. Mm -hmm. Because technical skills are different than management skills, are different than leadership skills. Today, management leadership, there's a lot of overlap because managers have to have leadership capabilities and Mm -hmm. leaders have to have some management, but there's still distinct aspects of each quadrant. And our ability to utilize talent is so important in this. And that's also another testament to time. This is a long game we're in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people think business is boom, boom, boom today. But no, it's not. I mean, yes, today we've got to execute, but we've got to execute so that a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, this business is not only solvent, but it's thriving. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that in lean management, do you assess that trajectory over long periods of time? Mm -hmm. Or is it slow? Here's what I say. Have a developmental process in place for any role that someone may be interested in, okay? 
So people are sick of me saying plan and process, but this is what it boils down to, plan and processing. So I have a superstar salesperson and they want to be, you know, just somewhere in upper management. Have a development plan on a long term, you know, set out so that they get a little more experience, whether it's, you know, video teaching or coaching or spending time with, you know, who's ever in that position now, they're getting developed. If you have to send them to a school outside, pay for it, you know, pay for them to go and learn what they want to learn. But no, don't throw them into the position because they're great at what they do right now. Have a development course for them set up over time. That's why it's important to know what they want to do. You know, where do you want to be? Like everyone wants to be CEO, right? Someday. And CEOs, like you said, if they own the company, they're like, I'm going to do this till I retire. I'm out of here. Maybe the business closes when I retire. We say don't get into that mindset. Right. You know, think of who's going to, you know. Succession planning. Succession planning. So succession planning and development planning, that's your long-term plan for a company that stays solvent for years and years and years long after you're gone. Right. Don't think about developing a company. Think about developing a legacy. Right. And what you leave behind. This is important, especially as we close this segment. Because we talked a little bit about the leader who's a technician and we encourage to hire positions for leadership management. But what about the leader whose own skills, whose own talent is underutilized because they're doing, you know where I'm going, things they shouldn't be doing. Yep. Happens all the time. Why are you doing that? Yeah. A lot of times their hands are in everything because they feel it needs their approach to it. And they're into too many things. It's a type of micromanagement almost. They have their hands in too many things because like, if I don't do this, it's not going to get done right. Well, you've hired wrong. If that thought is going through your head, you've either hired wrong or the people you have are being underutilized or you don't have A players or you don't have believers. That's on you. Okay. So if you're complaining about how busy your day is, I had to put out this fire, I had to put out this fire, and I should be out doing something else, that falls on you. Because you have to have a system in place that hires the right people, keeps the right people, develops them as a succession plan, and then you should be out doing what's in your genius zone. And if it's not being the CEO of that company, if you being the CEO of your own company is hurting it, go hire a CEO. Right. Sometimes I've said that before and people look at me like I have two heads, but it really is important that if you're great at construction and you're terrible at running a business, well, be out there in the field, making sure that the houses are being constructed the right way and have your CEO running the business for you. Yeah. Michael Dell did it. Yeah. I mean, so many entrepreneurs hire CEOs, right? Same thing. Facebook, you can go down the list. I mean, how many CEOs does Bezos have? I think like six of them or something like that, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. It's assessing your own. And on the flip side, if that's where your skills are, you need to stop doing accounting. Say, well, I can't afford it. Well, that's a problem in and of itself. Right. Because you haven't set up your financial model appropriately because you can't afford to do that work yourself. Number one, you're probably not an expert. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're going to mess it up. 
Because if you were an expert, you would have started an accounting business. You wouldn't have started a roofing business, (laughs) and then you're doing accounting. Right. Yeah. They go down the line, right? Any particular service. And sometimes you might be thinking, well, I can't afford to hire someone internal. Outsource it. My philosophy is do what you do best and outsource the rest, Mm -hmm. period. And so whether I'm not out there trying to figure out my own legal work. In fact, when I was in college, I don't know if I ever told you the story, but when I was working on my MBA, we had one of the courses was law class and I protested because I was a business owner. And I said, look, I mean, it's fine to understand what a tort. Do you have an attorney show up for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have my lawyer. I will be representing <laughs> Mr. Sala. <laughs> so I said, look, I understand. Maybe it's important for me to know what a tort is, whatever. But I can tell you right now, if I get sued, the last thing I'm looking for is my business law book in my basement. <laughs> That's so funny. That's funny, right. but true. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not even go with some of the other things I did. And you know, size has a big thing to do with it. If you're a little guy, you'll gain a lot by outsourcing things. If you're a medium-sized company, that's when you start to bring Bring some of that stuff inside Mm -hmm. because outsourcing is usually a little more expensive than if you can hire people and bring them in. And then when you're a huge company, you're making departments and there's an accounting department, a legal department, whatever. Agree. So identifying where you're at too is very important. Absolutely. And, And also, this is important since you brought that up, the underutilization of talent, even with your outsourcing, because say you're just getting started and you don't need X, Y, or Z full-time, right? So then, like you said, Joe, you hire out that role for five, 10 hours a month or whatever it is. Of course, it is more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's more expensive by the hour, but not for underutilization of talent or waste of talent when they're not actually needed for that number amount of time. But the other aspect of that is utilizing the talent of the leadership who you're outsourcing with. And ask the question, as we grow, will you help us identify when we need to transition into an internal person? And it's not like they're always going to say yes. But if you have someone who says yes, then you're utilizing their talent because they're the experts in that area. Yes. And so this is what I have conversations with clients, especially when they outsource us for bookkeeping. I say there's going to come a point where you're best served internally for your bookkeeping. We want to encourage you at that point to transition into that, Right. And so knowing that you've got partners in different areas of expertise who will help you see your blind spots with their expertise, it's important as well. Yes. Yeah, that's your third party. That's understanding their expertise. You know, don't just throw your business to any third party. Get to know that company. Talk to the owners. Talk to leaders. Talk to the workers. Get to know who they are, how efficient they are. Talk to people who they've worked with. Research is, I think, the most underutilized thing. We had talked, I think, in the last episode about not researching your technology. Well, not researching your third parties is just as big of a waste. Throwing money at something that, you know, maybe the guy down the road does a much better job, has much better ratings. Look around, research, and then as you grow, knowing that turning point of, hey, when do we bring this in? That's why you need a good financial plan. Yeah. So masterfully utilize your talent. Yes. It's a game changer. Yeah. You got to be tactical in the way you do things. You know, people are people. 
but you also have to be tactical in the way that you use people for your company. So, yeah, look at their talents. See, see if look at your own talents. See if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. If your hands are in everything, you are not an expert in everything. I guarantee it. Right. So, A players we talk about all the time. They are the key to a successful organization. Okay. A masterful CEO. Yeah. He's going to guide the company in the right direction. He's going to have these great ideas. He's going to know when to, you know, merge with another company or buy things up. But everything that happens below that level, those need to be your A players. So they're solving problems you don't know you had. You know, they're asking questions you didn't know you needed to ask. So super important. Yeah. Talent in an organization is just, you know, don't settle because you'll pay later for what you save up front because you might get a B player cheaper. And you're like, hey, great. I saved 10 grand a year on this guy. Do you? You know, right. Do you really? Right. Because when you start to add up the waste that a B player is compared to an A player, it's worth a few bucks more to. Get your A player in there and develop them. Action-packed. Yeah. Thanks for being here, brother. I love being here. We'll do it again. Well, you got a few more to go. Well, my friend, thank you for joining me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. If you've been listening, you've probably heard me talk about our accounting and advisory business. And this show was actually born out of that business, those relationships. I found that entrepreneurs and professionals were missing aspects of their leadership that fed into their bottom line and helped their businesses be successful. So I'm so thankful that I've had all those years in that area to feed into this. And the truth is that so many people still need accounting and advisory help and they don't know where to go. If you're in that place where you feel, oh my goodness, my tax person or my accountant, I can't find them, or maybe the service wasn't up to my expectations, do not despair. I'll leave how you can find us in the show notes, and one of my team members can do some discovery and help you along your journey. You're not alone, my friend. You always have help. I'm Dr. Nate Sala. Can't wait to see you on the next show of A Call to Leadership.